Thank you for listening to the Praise Family of Churches podcast. We have physical buildings throughout Oregon in Monmouth, McMinnville, Eugene, Mitchell, and Willamina, but our community extends around the world. If you would like more information about any of our churches, please visit www.praiseonline.net. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Behind the Message, a podcast where we go deeper into what was preached on Sunday and just the series as a whole. I'm Mackenzie, and on the podcast today, we've got Pastor Joe Pearson and Matt Smucker. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Well, the last two weeks, um, we skipped a week, but um, the last two weeks, we wrapped up the series on the kingdom of heaven as we were looking at the parables of Jesus that he taught his way. Um, and the two of you preached on probably the two most well-known parables in all of Scripture. Um, and so, Joe, let's start with you, the Good Samaritan. Yes. It, it's pretty interesting, I'd say, um, very lightly, um, that right after you preached this message, uh, chaos really ensued. Oh, my goodness. We're just living in such a day right now. This is so much... Uh explosion people are just glued to the news and watching people mm. and i'm sitting there on the couch and just wondering how this is going to end and where can it where can healing start and mm. uh how can we and so and so the the parable of the good samaritan was a guy who had basically been looted mm. and robbed and he was attacked and he was laying beaten on the side of the street on the side of the road and a religious person came, uh, the priest, and then a Levite came, also religious and sanctimonious, I guess. But they both went on the other side of the road. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And I'm just so convicted right now because I think I have in my life walked on the other side of the road, which is just basically let's avoid the issue. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this issue of racism, this issue of unfair treatment by police, uh, by people in authority. Yeah. Uh, it goes to everyone. It goes to pastors. I mean, there's yeah. there's a whole segment of our population that are basically been spiritually abused by church issues. And so leadership tends to, uh, when there's uh, sinful hearts, tends to hurt people. Mm-hmm. And so uh, cops aren't immune from that. There's wonderful policemen. Mm-hmm. There's wonderful pastors. There's also people in leadership that aren't so healthy. And they mm-hmm. hurt people because they're not understanding, and they have their own wounds that they're that turns into uh, abuse of power, which is such a hurtful and deep thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have family members who are uh, people of color who have been stopped a lot. Uh, my daughter's <laughs> cousin by marriage, um, so um, <clears throat> came to Monmouth to visit when we first started the church here, mm-hmm. and she's black and and. Beautiful girl. She's six foot two, just a powerful athletic mm. girl. Her dad was a basketball player for the Blazers. And uh, she got stopped and mama got a ticket for 350 bucks. And she was just, mm. it was just, um, mm. I think it was a taillight out or something, or it was some minor infraction. Mm-hmm. And she she told that to Joy, and, and Joy said, I can't believe that's true, because I get stopped all the time in Monmouth, and they never give me a ticket. They just let me go. Oh, right. She's this little skinny white mm-hmm. girl that talks her way out of tickets. And <laughs> <laughs> so, but this this is a deep hurt. And, and yeah. what happened was uh, 
her cousin just said, well, that's, that's what happens to me a lot. I get stopped. Yeah. They go, what are you doing in our town? You're a person of color. And they, they pull you over. Mm-hmm. This is so deep and so hurtful that when the George Floyd incident happened and he was murdered basically on, on live stream, mm-hmm. uh, it was enough. People's hearts broke, but their patience broke. And, yeah. and their desperation just came unraveled. So when when I told the story of the product of the, the Good Samaritan, um, the fact that the Samaritan came and I'm related with the guy who had been beaten up because the Samaritan was also somebody who was yeah. not treated so well. They were outcast. So he related to the guy who had been beat up. Uh, maybe he'd been beaten up. I don't know. Probably. But it it was entirely possible. And so. Right now, if we could be good Samaritans, guys, Jesus told us that's what that's who our neighbor is. And so we have to, this is how we <laughs> operate the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. is we're aware of who is our neighbor. And it's people not like us with different hurts and different wounds that we have to have empathy. Mm-hmm. And that was the word that came out in that sermon yeah. more. To understand and not walk on the other side of the road because it's just easier to walk on the other side of the road. Absolutely. Turn the channel, move on. And that's the thing that people are just screaming, I think, right now, stop being silent. And I think Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about that phrase a lot over the last few days and trying to understand, okay, in in what ways are we silent and, and not in a way that we're listening you know what I mean? Like we're not quiet because we're listening. Mm-hmm. We're quiet because we're ignoring. And you know, I had uh, I shared this on on my own Instagram, but had an experience in my own self um, just driving down the road yesterday, um, where just like a thought came in my mind. And and we have like you have to acknowledge your own unconscious bias. Scripture talks about taking every thought captive and put it under obedience to Christ. And that is the phrase for my year. And so if I don't acknowledge that, then I, then what am I doing? You know? And, um, and when that thought came in, I was like, what is that? That's not true. It's not right. It's not fair. And yet it still happened in my mind. And so being silent for me would be to be like, oh, well, that was weird and do nothing about it. Instead, what I have to do is acknowledge it and say, ooh, I, Lord, thank you for bringing that to my attention, that that was the condition of my heart. That was in my heart. And let's change the story. Mm-hmm. And so changing, replacing that thought with like, you know what, that person is driving that slow because they're scared of being pulled over or whatever it is. And you have to have empathy in that moment. Oh, yeah. And that's active listening. It's not yeah. just listening and pass- passively, but it's listening for what truth is in there that you need to hear about. Yeah. And from God to actively listen to God and let him talk to us about that. I think God will help us. I firmly believe as a follower of Jesus that he is the answer to prejudice. Yeah. He's the answer to the mm-hmm. hurt of prejudice. He's the answer to the act of prejudice. Yeah. And so if we want to change and grow and mature out of this and get healed, then I think we have to trust him and listen to him and help. And just be humble in our spirit and just say, okay, God, help me with this. I need help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And listen. Listen. <laughs> it's like. Yeah. yeah. Well, with with 
that thing that you were talking about in your message about basic empathy. We talked a lot about that and that I've been something I talk about all the time, (laughs) but um, as a having a therapy background, we talk about basic empathy literally all the time. And I remember having a, a supervisor so often I'm like, I feel like I'm not doing anything for them. You know, I'm sitting here and all I'm doing is just, they're just talking to me and I'm not saying anything. I'm not giving them any good advice. I'm not active. And he said, the most active thing you can do is hold the space for them. Hold the space. Let them talk because you listening says a lot without you even saying a word. And so what do you feel like with with this concept of mercy, this concept of basic empathy, what hinders us from living in that? What hinders us from walking that out? And how do we overcome that? I think it's the fear. Uh, It's the fear. I probably, I would like to think that the Levite and the uh, the priest that walked by the wounded person on the ground, um, they were probably afraid they were going to get robbed. Sure. And they were probably afraid they couldn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. They were probably also very busy. Yeah. They were all the things that I think we think we are a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus tells us tells that story so amazingly because. He just gives a picture of typical people moving past mm-hmm. wounded people. And I mm-hmm. I just think uh, I, I'm so proud of people who are stepping up and standing with mm-hmm. people of color right now who are just putting themselves in the way. Mm-hmm. That's just amazing to watch that happen. And it's, it's really important that our leadership do that. Yeah, uh, because that it, it reflects how we can heal as a nation, mm-hmm. and so um, just praying that that would happen, you mm-hmm. know, on a more scale. But I mean, you watch. Uh, there's some beautiful stories in the in the riots that have ensued of police officers uh, joining the protest. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know, taking mm-hmm. off their helmets and their batons, putting it away, and just walking with people. I've seen some praying with people, praying with people, mm-hmm. kneeling with people. Right. If they don't get much press, but I wish they'd get more because oh, yeah. those yeah. are those. I think that would bring our nation to healing. So yeah, that's empathy and understanding. Just realizing that oh, this is something we we have to slow down, yeah. get over our fear, get over our, our sense of inadequacy to help and make a difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Start listening. Not. I think it's like pay pay attention, start listening to what people are saying. And I think one of the things that I think about all the time, I in college was one of the founding members of a, a club on campus called Green Dot. And um, it was particularly for uh, prevention of sexual assault. And, um, and one of the things that they taught us about was this bystander effect, which we're, everybody's talking about now. And I'm like, I, I, mm-hmm. we've yeah. learned this, you know, this is, mm-hmm. this is not a new concept. This is something that people should be daily practicing, but something that was really practical that stuck with me. And I think this could go in any situation, not just like if you're at a bar and you see somebody slip something in somebody's drink, like it doesn't always mm-hmm. look like that. Um, but they had three options that you had, depending on what kind of personality you had, you know, um, so they had three approaches that based on, you know, kind of your comfort level, your personality, whatnot. And so the first one was to be confrontational and, and Mm -hmm. to go straight to the person who was doing the wrong thing and say, stop, you're doing the wrong thing, move away, 
whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other options that you had were um, distraction. Um, you can help the person who's in danger um, by like distracting the situation. So like if it were like they drop something in somebody's drink, you accidentally knock the drink over. Yeah. Like you're still doing something. Um, and then the other one is like bring in help. And so like there's three ways that you can help people. And it's like, so in my mind, I'm like, you just, we we don't have an excuse. There are, is there always something we can do? And as Christians, mm-hmm. there's, we should always be doing something. Yeah. I, I think when, when I think about this issue, um, one of the biggest obstacles to even starting into the conversation is, is kind of a per- perception of being unmerciful mm-hmm. in the past. Uh, I just think of uh, last night, uh, one of my daughters came up to kind of came down the stairs in the middle of the night and she was calling for mom, mm-hmm. you know, and Holly and I were sitting right next to each other on the couch and she just kept calling for her. Well, Holly was busy typing an email or something. And sure. So I got up to go talk with her and she really didn't want to talk with me because she had a loose tooth. And I've always tried to convince her that, can I help you pull this out? It needs to get out of your mouth. It's like totally crooked and it does need to come out. But she didn't want me to be in that conversation because she knew that would be my response. Mm. And um, I just had to pick her up and hold her for a, for a moment and, and say, hey, you know, I'm not going to do that tonight you can you can make that decision on if you want this tooth to come out or not you can make that decision on what this next step will be mm-hmm. and I think you know in in her young mind she saw me as someone who wasn't particularly merciful or mm-hmm. gracious and just had a certain mo and a certain you know solution that that I knew was right and but that's not what she wanted and so I think in this conversation, we don't know exactly where it's going to go, but to even be part of the conversation, yeah, um, there's that, we have to get past the obstacle of what's all this that has been done in the past mm-hmm. and just approach it with that basic, hey, I'm just going to listen to you. Yeah. What do you need from me right now? Mm-hmm. We don't need to go to that solution right now. Yeah. Um, we get wrapped up in our idea of what the kingdom looks like or, or what is right and what is wrong and how people should behave. And Mm -hmm. so often I think probably in the church world, honestly, like we want order. Right. And so when there's disorder, then we do whatever we have to do um, to like quiet people to get order again, Mm -hmm. when really the disorder is happening because of an underlying issue. And like that has to be dealt with because if you just quiet it, it's going to come back up. Like people Mm -hmm. are hurt. So I think like, it's really important that we think about that. Like when we're in this whole series, that's what we've been challenging is the Mm -hmm. kingdom perspective. Yeah. And that kingdom perspective causes us to move out of our comfort zone Mm -hmm. and be friends with somebody who's not like us. Yeah. My biggest fear is that I have a bunch of uh, friends who are just like me Yeah, and Mm -hmm. that they just share my viewpoint. They all... Uh, you know, are just pat each other on the back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Complain about the world as it is, mm-hmm. and all have zero tolerance mm-hmm. for anybody who's not like us. Yeah. And that tends to be, I'm not saying it is. I'm not picking on the church world, but the church world tends to do that. It mm-hmm. tends to cluster in to age groups, mm-hmm. uh, uh, races, 
mm-hmm. it tends to cluster into theology or liberal or conservative groups. Um, mm-hmm. There's conservative churches, and they even have that on their on their title sometimes, conservative Baptist church. Mm-hmm. There's a church in our little town in Montana. It's called Old Paths Strict Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. It's like you know that's that's quite a name. <laughs> yeah, very many services within the church. Right? Yeah, contemporary. And, yeah, and I thought, uh, oh boy, maybe I should uh, name my new church that I'm planting uh, New Paths, not so strict. Yeah, praise assembly, but I didn't. But, but, but I, think, <laughs> I just don't want to have labels on us yeah. that are hard to in- penetrate. And so, sure. I heard somebody on the news uh, commentator that everybody's commentating, everybody's speaking, and somebody it was a black guy from uh, I think it was Yale. And he was saying, invite somebody of color to your house for dinner. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Just have invite that friend that you work with who's, mm-hmm. who's not like you to, to dinner and just have dinner and talk to each other and listen to each other and, yeah. and interact with each other. Because if we don't do that, see, I think the, the Good Samaritan had that in his heart well before he came across the guy wounded on the road. Mm-hmm. He was somewhere in his life, he had somehow as a, had a practice of not being overcoming fear and overcoming what he doesn't know by by the pain of people and, mm-hmm. and i think that that's a good example for us as as followers of, of jesus because he's he's asked us to do it it's like that's the kingdom that's what it's about mm-hmm. we can ignore it if we want to but to our peril yeah to our peril and is right because i think so often in the church we're shying away from talking about this because we were like, oh, we want to be politically neutral. And I'm like, this isn't, in my mind, this is not a political issue. This is a humanity issue. And that's exactly what we deal with. I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. is the one who said that the most segregated hour of Christian America is on 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. That's got to speak something to us. So what did churches... What can churches do or say or what what do they do? <laughs> we have to engage <laughs> do, in the community. I, yeah. I, I, we have to engage in our communities and yeah. in, in where the poor people are, where the wealthy people are, all across the board. We have to fight mm-hmm. to be all inclusive and engage outside of our church walls. And that will reflect ultimately our, our congregation. I mm-hmm. think we have to have yeah. diversity on our boards. Yes. We have to have diversity on our platform when people are standing up there. So if somebody walks in and they're a person of color and you have a whole, you know, you have a percentage of people of color in your church, but nobody of color is on the platform, mm-hmm. it's going to communicate something. Yes. You know? Or if we have all old bald white guys like me, or, you know, that, that, that communicates something. So there is something valuable about how we present ourselves that we need to just pay attention to Mm -hmm. Mm because we drift naturally to our, our bent of sin and separation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why the the 11 o'clock hour, like Martin Luther King said, is the most segregated because it's easier that way. Mm -hmm. We like our music. They like their music. You know, you know, I get some of that, but Mm -hmm. if, if you can, I mean, my favorite singer growing up in high school is Andre Crouch and, and the disciples, and he came through, yeah. and I went to Portland, watched him downtown Portland, and at the Paramount, mm-hmm. amazing service. And he got done with the first segment of about fifteen minutes of worship and powerful music. Everybody was crying in the place. Mm-hmm. It was powerful, and he came up front. And he just said, "This is definitely not a white night." And it was, <laughs> it was a moment in my life where I thought, oh, "I love this. Yeah, I love yeah. this, and I connected with it." He yeah. broke down the barrier. 
mm-hmm. but by including me and just letting us know his yeah. sister Sandra was on the stage for the first time joining their group and she was crying and she couldn't hold it together because mm-hmm. she was too impacted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Jesus does that. See, yeah. that's that's yeah. how we have to get to this place. It's it's Jesus. Yeah. It's not yeah. it's not a social effort, it's a spiritual discipline. Mm-hmm. And it's a it, mm-hmm. we have to go there. Because mm-hmm. busing didn't work, they bust people all around, you know, trying to get Poor kids and uh, and rich kids and if you guys remember that, you, know, you probably don't. No, no. Okay, but they tried, to bus, <laughs> they tried to bus kids from the poor segments to better schools, mm-hmm. and then people yeah. from the wealthier schools to the poor schools, and integrate and, and try to force it. Yeah. Doesn't work. You can't force this. No, you have to. Jesus and the Holy Spirit has to lead it, and it has to come from our hearts and their hearts, mm-hmm. so that we can come together and figure this out yeah so here practically what you're saying is there's you got to get your heart in line with holy spirit and mm-hmm. like just be willing to be open for him to change your mind about things yeah. to have hard conversations but also look around it, you know if you're a leader of a church uh, look around your church and say like look at who's in leadership are you representing the community that you're serving yeah. Yeah. and i mean i'd say even further um, this is something that I've done with the Harriet House is pray for your ministry. Pray for that to be open to anybody who <laughs> is feeling drawn by the Holy Spirit to come into that space. I have prayed for diversity in our house. I have seen God be faithful in that. You know, I pray about that all the time. And also mm-hmm. I change things about what I what I do, even on our, your social media, yep. you, you can get stock images if you don't have real images of people. <laughs> and there's nothing, you know, I had to get over it for a minute because there's nothing wrong with that. Because if I'm going to post just a picture, like announcing about a women's Bible study, and there's people of color on that picture, that that is something that happens in your mind that that makes a statement that says like, even though we don't have those people yet, they're coming, you know, like, mm-hmm. or we're like, you're welcome, you're welcome here. You know, and to say about, you know, gospel worship, I'm going to say white church is missing out. Oh, totally. So, mm-hmm. um, and I, just to wrap up this part of the conversation, and obviously it's not the end of this conversation no, by no, any no, means no. for any of us, but um, just want to just put the disclaimer that all three of us come from a place of privilege and mm-hmm. to speak to this topic in the way that it really deserves credit, we can't fully do well, and so, you know, I just want to say that and acknowledge that. But I'd say, like, all three of us would agree that we're listening, we're open, we're actively changing our own lives. Yeah. And years ago, I think it was right after uh, one of the earlier shootings uh, when Black Lives Matter came out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then blue, everybody had Blue Lives Matter and... Yeah. All lives matter. And so I was having this uh, conversation with a friend of mine and I said, yeah, isn't all lives matter kind of what we're supposed to be about? And he said, well, if you say that you're saying your pain isn't real. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like yeah. coming to a, a wounded person. It's like the, it's like the Samaritan stopping by the wounded guy on the road. Mm-hmm. And, and right now, that Samaritan had to say that guy matters. Yeah. He matters more than everybody else around me right now because he's hurting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I have to say it and make a statement. Mm-hmm. This wounded guy matters. Yeah. And right. so he took that 
they did it. So when we say uh, black lives aren't any more important than blue lives, well, or white lives, well, not in human value, but they are struggling in ways that I'm not struggling. They have mm. they have a more difficult time with uh, people in power than I do, and it's yeah. just the way it is. So I have to relate with them as much as possible and realize, okay. So my friend helped me with that. He said, yeah, Black Lives Matter is just saying I have empathy for them mm. or I want yeah. to have empathy for them and I want to, I want to understand that pain. Mm-hmm. And for you to dismiss it and say, you don't, you don't matter anymore than anywhere else. So, yeah, right now the wounded person takes priority. It's equity. It, you just have to do it. You just have to. Yeah give some time to it. Absolutely. And, um, and you know, I've heard the phrase say like, until you can say that black lives matter, you can't say all lives matter because you have to acknowledge each people group, you know, I know. And then the story of Jesus going after the one lost sheep, leaving the 99, it's the same thing. That's the the picture of Jesus saying, okay, there's a lost one. There's a wounded one. Yeah. This is where our hearts have to, uh, Go to the wounds. Go to the wounds. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to focus on that that subsection right now. Okay. Because that's uh, it's it's not a matter of truth, right? Um, all lives certainly do matter. Sure. That's true, but it's a matter of focus. Mm, and right. right now, we need to have our focus on the people who are hurting. Yeah. And that's actually a really great segue into what you talked about this weekend, Matt. Um, really, just you really flipped the story of the prodigal son into the, about the prodigal father, which I really loved that point. Um, but that idea, Jesus goes after the one Jesus, you see, if you study his life, you see, he's always seeking after the hurt and the lost and the people just stuck on the margins of society. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, you see the contrast between the two sons in that story, you know, and almost feel like, we as the church or we as the privileged race or whatever it is uh, kind of taking that older brother stance of like, you know, like that idea of like, well, all lives matter. Like dad, why are you, you know, I've I've always been here, you know, that idea. And, and the father saying like, he was lost. Like I have to focus on him right now because he was dead and is now alive. So I've, that's a really like great way to kind of conceptualize that and tie those two together. And mm-hmm. I think what I was thinking a lot about in that is how stressful situations really reveal what's important. And I think we saw that mm-hmm. in your story about the ring, but also we're seeing that right now we're in stress, like in culture right. and what's really important is pushing to the surface even more than COVID right now. I saw a meme today that like, are, so are we not doing COVID anymore? <laughs> <laughs> but it's what what you talked about. It's it's really relationship, um, mm-hmm. not something that was lost, but that always existed. Um, yeah. And and I just I just have been thinking a lot about that. Um, well, and I think continuing that that whole idea of focus, you know, we yeah. tend to focus on all the wrong things. Just reading through that story, we focus on the inheritance that was yeah. lost, and we focus on the. Um, you know, all the, the terrible situation that the son was coming from. Uh, the father doesn't address any of those things. No. He says, you're home. Yep. Let's party. <laughs> Let's go. You know, and uh, so I think we just have to keep coming back to, okay, where is our focus? Is it is it on that relationship that is being restored? 
or is it an, on all these things that were lost and, and, and things in the past that we can't really do anything about anymore, mm-hmm. you know, but what can we do now? Yeah. Well, we can, we can do everything we can to welcome this person back into my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's what's been really striking me. I'm yeah. just wrestling with that story. I feel like it, it kind of has ended up being the theme for the whole series, which kind of makes sense is where's your focus. It makes sense because uh, is it Matthew six that uh, seek first the kingdom of God? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess that's really true. We're seeing that every, every, the thread that has kind of run through every sermon in this series is about where your focus is. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course there's all these different topics that get us distracted from the kingdom, but it's always, go back to the kingdom. And you mentioned that this season of our life maybe isn't about COVID. It isn't about these distractions, right? But rather about our souls, the deepening of our relationship with Jesus and our family and our neighbors. Mm -hmm. And then it gives us an opportunity to reflect about what God is teaching us now. So maybe I'll pose that question to each of us personally. Mm -hmm. Uh, In that first month, we kind of pulled up this question um, when we first started the podcast of what we felt like God was teaching us, but a lot has changed since then. That's the thing that we have learned is change happens minute by minute, day by day. And so we're now three months into it. So has that changed for you? What what do you feel like God is teaching you guys right now? I honestly don't remember what I said, you know, at the (laughs) beginning of all this. So it's, yeah, it does change frequently. Uh, I just think of, um, Something, it was actually Sunday afternoon. I was out mowing, mowing my lawn and we have some blueberry plants that are right next to the, you know, to the grass and they're starting to get full, you know, the berries are starting to develop. And, uh, I just, you know, was running along that, that path right next to the bush and just knocked off a, a couple of clumps. Hmm. I look back, you know, and, and kind of with that, that loss of, Hey, there's a couple handfuls of blueberries that I'm going to be missing out on mm-hmm. later on when the rest of the, the plant is developing. And um, I just immediately thought about this season and kind of the idea of, uh, you know, we keep talking about, at least I do personally, like, when is this going to be over? Yeah. When can we move on and, and get back to normal, whatever that means? And when can we just start doing all these things again? And I think in many ways it's missing the point. It's kind of like the blueberries, you know, if they were just to hang on to that branch, you know, a month or two longer, we'd be having these nice sweet treats, but Mm -hmm. now they're just going to become compost in my yard. Mm -hmm. Um, If we just hold on a little bit longer, what else is God wanting to develop in our lives that we might miss out if we cut it too short? Well, and our, our, our posture mm-hmm. during this time is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like wanting to learn and wanting to hear, wanting to understand, mm-hmm. wanting to know the pain of people around us, wanting to know what we can learn during COVID. I, I, man, I had math class in junior high right before lunch at mm-hmm. 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And that hour went so slow. I just oh, looked man. at the clock on the wall and it was just like, oh, five more minutes. That's all of life. <laughs> you know, you just remember that time. You just yeah. can't wait for the bell. I, and we're all just like waiting for the bell to go out and play <laughs> and, or go eat lunch or go have a normal life. And I think God is just really using this time. And I, I hope we all let God use this time in us because he, yeah. he doesn't waste anything. 
And he will bring into our lives things. Uh, One thing I've learned from people who aren't necessarily followers of Jesus, that they can show empathy sometimes better than (laughs) I can. And it's like, what? How can they do that? I'm supposed to know I'm I'm Joe Christian, and I should know how to do this better. And so they're showing us how to do stuff. And it's like, oh, my word, they're showing how to care. Showing, um, I, my daughter had a friend in downtown Portland. He's an Irish guy. Mm-hmm. He went down and stood in front of his black friend's business on downtown where the looting was going on. And he stood in front of it till four o'clock in the morning and took mm-hmm. tear gas. And the, the mm-hmm. cops said, I have to tear gas. So you can to bring up the movies. He says, no, I'm not moving. This is my friend, my black friend's business. And he can't afford to lose it. And he, I'm going to stay here between the business and the, wow. and the looters. No. And he, I mean, he said, I'm going to keep my red, hairy, Irish head, we use a different term, <laughs> right here between uh-huh. the looters and my friend's business. And mm. He said, well, the tear gas is going to hurt you. He said, ha, he said, I'm Irish, tear gas is nothing. <laughs> is that a thing? I didn't know that. But he, he was moved to yeah. go there and stand there. Mm. What a picture. Yeah. To stand, well, it's biblical to stand in the gap. Yes. To put ourselves in that place mm-hmm. that we currently are not mm-hmm. so i don't know how we can go stand in the gap for people but we got to figure it out because mm-hmm. that's what god's calling us to that's really good it's that that difference of the uh, keith jenkins had talked about it a couple of years ago of, of when you see the dip when you're when you see the kingdom of heaven and you understand what it is and people are experiencing something different than that, there's a gap there. And that's where you go. Mm-hmm. You go to that gap. And the most important thing you can do in that gap is pray. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I think about that all the time. I think for, for me, what I'm feel like God is really teaching me in this season um, and probably every season is about control is that I really just don't have any. (laughs) And uh, and so often, like the times that I struggle the most is when I'm trying to grasp it so hard. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to grasp the control. I'm trying to like control the story of my life. I'm trying to make sure the things happen and the, the people are taken care of and all the things. And because everything changes so quickly and because there's so many things that can't be controlled right now, mm-hmm. I am just fully being put in my place that like I have to not rely on my own abilities. Yeah. yeah. And it's really hard. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where I'm at with uh, it. I think that's what God did showed us in the prodigal son's story, mm-hmm. Matt, that he was yeah. there. Let's I love what you said. You're home. Welcome home. home. That's that's enough. That's it. That's so good. Just put him right there and erased the distance between Mm. him and all his sin. Yeah. By his embrace. Yeah. So I kind of wish the story continued though, because I think it would speak a lot to what we're going through as a society right now. Sure. (laughs) You know, it it ends with the older brother, you know, and the father kind of not really confronting, but just addressing. Yeah his perspective, like, Hey, you've been here all along. All that I have has been yours, but mm-hmm. you know, your brother was lost, but now he's found. He was, he was dead, but now he's alive. Mm-hmm. And you wonder, it makes, it just makes me wonder what that relationship looked like the next day or even later that day between the older brother and the younger one. The old, yeah. The older brother didn't want to go in and dance. 
you know, maybe, but maybe he made that decision. I, I think we're just in that, that place right now of wrestling with, okay, if we have the right perspective of how God thinks of us and who we are and how, how we should be relating mm-hmm. to our family members, our neighbors and all of this, what do we do about it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that story just kind of cuts off. Right there. It doesn't show you, okay, did they go, did the older brother go and seek out his younger brother? Yeah. The one who had the privilege, did he set that aside for a moment and just enjoy the party oh. like the father was? So why do you think that this series as a whole, we, so we wrapped up this series and we're going to move on to a new one. Why was this series on the kingdom of heaven the right series for this season? Well, any of the Bible is right for the seasons that we're in. Yeah. Um, but the kingdom of God and who's our neighbor, uh, God's love for the world, the net that was drawn in, the kingdom of God and understanding it really challenges us to look outside of our circle of yeah. acquaintances and realize that the kingdom is big yeah. and expansive and his heart is to make it bigger, you know, mm-hmm. and just to make mm-hmm. more, bring more people to him. So I, I just think we have to catch a glimpse of the size of it. I think it's kind of ironic being a season where we're all forced into our homes and just, you know, uh, our, our view has been kind of limited just by, by all of that. Like we're not going places and we're not doing things and we're not seeing people. Um, you know, the kingdom of heaven, it, it forces us into that bigger perspective. And it's almost like when your view gets so small, then you're, you, you can actually think about it, reflect on, mm-hmm. okay, what, what was life really all, always supposed to be about? Yeah. It was always supposed to be about the kingdom, mm-hmm. but I, I think in many ways we missed it because we were distracted by all these other things that were going on. Yeah. And actually when... When I when I first started thinking through the parables and thinking about it for a series, and Joe, you and I were talking about this back in December, actually, before anything, but it was really in anticipation of the kind of political season we were maybe going into because mm-hmm. it's an election year. And so really wanting to like focus and 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 that's true still to an extent, but it's a lot more than we even anticipated. But God knew. And that's really the coolest thing is that you're right. Any part of the Bible is going to be right. And it meets us right where we are. And it's just so cool that when we when we plan things, we have an idea. And it may be true for a little bit, but God is, mm-hmm. has so much, so many bigger plans for things. So that's, I think, a really cool thing uh, about it. Um, and so just to wrap up today, this weekend, we're going to start a new series on freedom. Um, and we're also starting our community group. So churches in home, basically um, planting a bunch of new churches. Joe, that's your jam um, all at the same time. Why do you think it's important that we do this? Uh, and, and what do you think could be the benefits of having a season in our homes together like this? Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, I think it's what we should have been doing all along, really. But, um, you know, the benefit is, I've been explaining it to people kind of two ways. Of course, there's the safety factor in 
small numbers, uh, consistent group, but the consistency factor is actually just really good for relationships anyway, because you get to spend time with a small group of people that you can invest more of your, your time and your energy and your discussion and prayer on, on those people and get to know them, get to know their hurts, get to know what they need and vice versa, uh, share your life in a more vulnerable way than I think, you know, in many ways, you know, you just can't do in a, a weekly one hour service, you know, you shake hands before and you come in and you give a hug when you go and you have a cup of coffee or whatever. But, um, there's just that deep relationship kind of sharing time that, um, that really can only happen in small groups like that anyway. Um, so I think that's a, that's a big, benefit whether or not we're in the season i think that's the big benefit of having those home groups yeah and to engage in the community mm -hmm. it's yeah and just to think outside of the norm is so healthy for us every time mm -hmm. uh we as a nation go through something that messes up our mm -hmm. structure our time i remember 9 11 it, it caused us all to really grasp and understand some things Mm -hmm. We learned what the economy was like and how important it was to engage with businesses. And mm -hmm. I think we're learning that now. And I think we're learning the heartache of businesses that struggle yeah. and what a blessing it is to give a waitress a good tip. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think that's really awesome, those kind of things. We're just being a little more aware mm -hmm. of people. And so I, I think it's a great, uh, great understanding of God's heart for the world. Yeah, that's super good. I think the the thing that might kind of tie everything together that we've talked about is just the idea of proximity. I think in order mm -hmm. to have empathy for people, to display mercy, um, to really be active in change, mm -hmm. um, to know how to love God is all about proximity. And that's really, I think, a big goal of community groups is that we're going to gain proximity to each other. Uh, in order for us to know who we're serving and know our community and know our neighbors and to love our neighbors, we have to close the gap and we have to be near them and hear their story mm -hmm. and not just pass by them on the street or at church uh, with a wave. So yeah. I think that's going to be really important. And I'm really excited to see what these next four weeks um, God is going to do. Freedom. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, thanks you guys for having hard conversations um, authentically and, I'm excited to move forward with this next series and really just see what God has in store. And everybody else, everybody have, have a great week. Don't be afraid to have hard conversations as well. Bye. Bye.